0: Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Mother Rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And I have the honor and privilege and thrill to invite Julia Carroll on my show today. So welcome, Julia.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And
0: we're in the midst of a podcast swap. So I just (laughs) had the honor being on Julia's podcast, Storked, which we'll hear all about. And we really got into stuff. So this is not exactly picking up where we left off. I'm not going to say that, but so much of what we're doing is synergistic and plays off each other so beautifully. I hope you listen to her podcast with me on it and many of her, all of her episodes, because they're great. And then, you know, we'll look at it through the lens of rewriting the mother code, um, everything you've been up to. So I'll say a couple things about you, but then we always, I like to just get right in and have you share about yourself. So Julia, is a mom, creative leader, friend, animal lover, and champion of alternative families. When she's not hosting Storked, the podcast, she runs a private investment firm, which acquires, operates, and improves businesses at Crossroads. She loves supporting businesses to grow and evolve, passionate about social change. Julia also supports a number of nonprofits, but she's an all-around wonderful uh, human and living a really beautiful life. So we get to be with you today. Julia and if if you don't mind like if there's anything kind of from your like doing space and and who you are that you want to add to what I just said, and then we'll go in because I really want my audience to hear about your journey, your mothering journey, and what that has been for you kind of generally, and then we'll get specific,
1: yeah, thank you so much. first of all, it's so kind of you to introduce me that way, and I just loved our conversations. There's so much that we're doing that is running in tandem and parallel to one another and intersect in some beautiful ways, but are very different. And so in the way that you talk about mothering and motherhood and rewriting the mother codes as your life's passion, my life's passion is talking about all the different ways we can have a family and celebrating them and normalizing them. And that comes from my journey to become a solo parent, which I know we'll get into a little bit. It's funny to hear your bio written out loud or spoken out loud particularly in light that we just had a conversation about masculine versus feminine energy. And so I'd say for the first 39 years of my life, I was occupying, or at least my professional life, the past 15 years of my professional life, I've been occupying a very male-dominated space and leaning into my male energy. Finance, and specifically we invest in manufacturing companies, working in engineering, manufacturing, finance. I mean, that's typically very male, and then stepping into a motherhood journey and uh, talking about families and talking to women like yourself who are doing such amazing things, I'm starting to learn how to enter like more of that feminine space. Um, That's kind of fun. I love
0: that. I love that you brought that in because we, of course, will be, you know, addressing that and seeing how that has informed and supported you know this additional being that's in your life um yeah. aspect of how you're living your life and what and how that what and how that impacts you named uh, my work is around rewriting the mother code, you looking at alternative families, you know, I just kind of use that language to put the fact that we have to call it alternative means that we're addressing some of the codes around family mm-hmm. codes being the things that are just ubiquitous or we just assume is what's so and they can be fine, but oftentimes, you know, they're limited and restricted in the things that we should do or how we should lead our life. And I think that's what you've been championing and also living in your life. If you were to say some of the, the codes that you've been breaking along the way and, you know, speak into any or all of those that come up for you.
1: Yeah. So the first is, I want to take that word alternative family because you're the first person I've spoken to who said, look, this is a code. And you're right. I think it's interesting that we use the framework of alternative families when statistically they're actually the norm. I know that's going to be it's shocking, even... right? <laughs> but I mean, let's just talk about some of the statistics. Sure. Um, one, 23% of all kids in the U.S. right now are raised in single parent households, 23%. That's nearly a fourth of all children. That can be due to death, divorce, solo parenting by choice, or becoming a solo parent for many, many other reasons. 50% of all marriages end in divorce, right? More and more women, and I don't have the stats at my fingertips, are Mm -hmm. becoming child-free or choosing to live a life without kids. And they're saying, I can be A wonderful human. I can be mothering without having kids in my life. And the list goes on. Uh, Gay marriage is on the rise and has been since it was legalized in 94. So if you take all of those in total, the statistical abnormality is actually the white picket fence. There's a man, a woman, and kids. So, it's funny that we have chosen the code alternative to write this off as something that's othered or different or unusual in some way, when in fact, it is the norm. So, thank you for bringing that up. I think it's really important that we acknowledge that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, but just as you said, you know, I'm the first person to kind of say that out loud, you know, even if somebody's been thinking it, that's what we're inviting people to do, right? Is this kind of deeper exploration when you're, you know, making any choice around—I'd love to say like any choice in our life—but we're talking specifically in the mother sphere, you know, our motherhood sphere. That it's almost like we're so fish in water, we don't even question some things that that need to be questioned, or I think like would really be valuable to question, let alone things that are there's there's nothing good or bad about them, but it's just worth the journey to look at how you got there, right? So I know you've done, you did a lot of that work, you know, as we were sharing in the other one, like some, you kind of wish you had had like, there were more spaces to talk about it and, but you found your way, you know, with it. Can you speak about that journey of, of getting the unpacking and, and getting to the the choice that you made?
1: Yeah. And my story starts with a breakout. Which is so embarrassing because as an empowered feminist woman, I don't ever want to say that at the demise of a relationship or even worse, a boy broke my heart and ruined my life and all that good stuff. But it did. And well, let's reframe that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> I, I will. Just quick second.
0: Okay, good. I'll see. You. You'll reframe it and then I'll
1: but, and, you'll and probably say what I was going to say. I encourage you to <laughs> coach me and, and, and uh, help me reframe things. But at the time, it felt catastrophic. At the time, it felt catastrophic. In hindsight, it was a gift because the relationship was never meant to be. And I was holding on to something, not because I was happy and because we were right together, but I was holding on to it because I thought that's the way my life was supposed to go. I was supposed to marry this guy because I was in my mid-30s and we were dating, uh, which is ridiculous. And then I had this crisis of, if he's not in my life, how the hell am I going to have a family? And I had to work through the codes that I had around a family has to be me getting married to this guy and quick, right? You know, you do the math. If he doesn't propose soon, then I like, my fertility rate's going to plummet at mm. this percent and all that stuff. Or once broken up, if I meet somebody now, then I'll have a year to date them. And then maybe we can get married in six months. And then we have a year to be together and then I can get pregnant. And, and then the older you get, the time frame sort of shrink. Okay. If I met somebody, would I feel comfortable getting engaged in six months? And what if we got engaged and then had the baby? And all of those are great choices. They Mm -hmm. weren't ultimately the choice I made, but it's interesting. Every single girlfriend I know is doing that calculation. Is he the one? And if he's the one, how quickly do we move things? Is that too fast? Is it too slow? If we take the relationship at the right pace, am I going to miss my fertility window? Right? So there's this anxiety around matching the natural progression of relationships with the natural progression of our fertility. Often they don't match. For me, they mm-hmm. didn't match. And I just say, I get tired of dating the people that I was dating and I decided to go go at it alone. It's obviously not as simple as that. I'm, I'm sort of glossing over <laughs> a lot yeah. of it, but it, you're right that there was just lots of that dark night of the soul, getting comfortable and rectifying. What was the message I had received from society about mm-hmm. what my life should be? And then, what did I actually want it to be? I love that
0: exactly. And you know, we'll we'll keep peeling yeah. away, you know, layers of that because it's where the juicy stuff is, right? Yeah. And we're not necessarily, and you know, so I never want this to feel like um, a make wrong, you know, to women or mothers that you're not doing it. It's like we, it's it's not in our culture to do that kind of exploration, or you only. Do those things when you have a problem, or Mm -hmm. kind of go down those paths. Sometimes, I mean, that's shifting somewhere. Coaching and therapy that are seen also as something like I have a good life, but I want more, and I want some support in navigating it, or helping me see things more broadly and stuff. So, I mean, that's what I hope as as a coach. But it's still kind of laden with that, and kind of like you said, like why aren't there more spaces or places where we can, you know, have these conversations and Mm. Yeah, and normalize it, which I think uh, are true. To me, you were showing a feminine value of caring and it's okay to like love somebody and have that hurt, right? And like feel those hurt feelings, even when you know it's totally the right thing to do and wasn't meant to be. There was, we, um, you weren't saying that you felt ashamed. I'm not saying that, but we can, you know, and women will often, you know, feel that way. And I just want to honor the part that it's like, no, you loved and had thoughts that this might be something, and when that isn't, because sadness is the loss of something pleasurable, you know, and we're hurt yeah. when something or someone something shifts in in our relationship. So I but couldn't mess up the choice.
1: <laughs> I did feel shame, and I'm gonna I'm gonna own that because the yeah. shame wasn't that the relationship ended. I've spoken to people who have gone through divorces or big breakups, and they feel ashamed that the thing didn't work out. That wasn't my shame. My shame was. I felt so much sadness. I felt so mm. broken by the end of this relationship. So much so that I, I was just like a shell of myself for a year mm. as I was going through my healing journey. And then the problem with a lot of our cultural norms is that you sort of have this like brain in the back of your brain, you know, that voice that's saying, get up off the floor, stop crying. What's mm. wrong with you? You know, how, how can you be this sniveling person right now? And the shame was in who I became in what, Ultimately was a little was a little breakdown. And I think you know that sometimes the breakdowns are where the openings are, where, you know, when you're just at your worst, and you're questioning everything, that's when all the magic happens. And for me, it's where I reclaimed a sense of self worth, and self identity that I didn't even know was missing. Self love, I was given the instruction to do some affirmations. Affirmations were really popular at the time. And so I would say to myself every morning, like, okay, you are worthy of giving and receiving love. Couldn't say that for six months because I didn't feel the worthiness. Mm -hmm. And so the breakup prompted that exploration around worthiness, around self-worth, around, you know, finding my inner strength and my inner appreciation for myself. And I don't think had I done that, that I would have been able to step into the part of my journey where I am now as a mom. It's hard. There are moments when I do not love myself and do not love the way I'm behaving in the moment. But generally speaking, I think I'm feeling a little bit more whole and a little less uncertain about who I am or a little less like, I don't know, just that meta analysis of like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? That's mm-hmm. That voice is left. Often. Yeah. So yeah. Either, yeah, either left or is quieted or quieted. Know, that's really a better word related. for it. Yeah.
0: yeah. And if it does pop up, it's not as loud and I'm not listening yeah. to it quite so much. No, that's beautiful. Thank you for going back into that. Cause I, I love what you're saying, particularly the part about seeing the silver linings or like what I gained from that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, research shows that it's at our times of chaos, disequilibrium, and I I always like to reframe, you know, I, when people say, oh, I was a mess or I lost it or I, I broke open, right? Like I, yeah. I broke down. People are like, oh, I broke down. It's like, no, like what you said. And then you said it like it, I broke open and it opened mm-hmm. me to like see things about myself. And yeah, was there a part and uh, a time where it's like, I, I knew I should probably get up and get moving. And I just chose not to. And that's okay, right? We can give ourselves like that space because something was happening. And we do have to put some conscious effort to it, which you did, right? You were working with someone, like, oh, try these affirmations, like, oh my gosh, I can't even do those. Well, all right, well, like fake them for a while and <laughs> yes, see what starts to happen. And yeah. and that's perfectly fine and good. So I and I love then how you named that that prepared you like that was a muscle building, you know, to what you you know, like. New motherhood is hard. It is disequilibrium chaos. You yeah. know, you're thrown into something that nothing can totally prepare you for. And and then we're taught like it's only our culture or code that I think is out there. It's just supposed to be wonderful, right? You're supposed to like this thing you yeah. work for and you work so hard to decide to do. And then it happens and it's just supposed to be like nirvana. And There might be moments of that and some may be able to tune into those more than others, but there's also a whole lot of just like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing or this is hard or what the heck and (laughs) can I give it back?
1: You know, like some of the unsayable
0: things.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about my new motherhood journey, I'm still I'm 20, almost 21 months. My son is almost 21 months old. So I am a mom of almost 21 months. That's been my identity for the past 21 months and for the rest of my life. There's no term for that, right? You say my kid is this many months, but you, it's no way of saying I am this many months into my I new that. identity. Yes, um, I, I, that's a great reframe. Like, how do you, yeah, how do you count that? But um, I'm really grappling with how to describe my feelings around new motherhood. In some ways, I feel more myself than I've ever felt. This Like being a mom was 100% my soul's purpose and I feel more fulfilled, more actualized, more joy uh, than I've ever felt. In some ways, I mean, there's, there's a loss of some of the other things that used to make me who I am and the mothering identity can't subsume me to such an extent that I lose everything else, but I don't even understand that paradigm fully, right? Like we always talk about don't lose yourself. And I think for me, it's who I am has changed. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm wrestling with this concept of, is it lost? Is it different? Different seems good, but different is definitely not always perfect and not always good. But I'm I struggling. That. Yeah.
0: yeah I, and I, th- I think you're naming a, a really common struggle. I'm not even going to say I have the answer to it fully, mm-hmm. but you're allowing me to think of it differently because there's the aspect of a new role, right? So now I didn't have this identity calling myself a mother, although when I work with women, whether they have children or not, I let fight them to try that on because, you know, in rewriting the mother code, we all, everyone's a mother, Mm -hmm. Um, men, women, you know, even though I don't speak to the men is explicitly, it's true, but that we all mother and to say that out loud and claim that as, you know, one of your identities. So it isn't just like having a child. So that being said, in our normal culture, you now have that title. That's so true about titles, right? Like that's just what they are is a role. What I like about what you're saying is I've been able to kind of stay grounded in my core self at least enough, right? Or, or in such a way where it's like, wow, I'm in this new role and I and it feels good. It feels right. There's a maybe I've worked to this point. Maybe if I'd done this five years ago, it wouldn't feel the same. Who knows? Right. But right now, in this moment where I am, I can claim that for myself. And I think. I think that's a really beautiful thing to claim.
1: You know, there's two things I want to reflect on. The first is in my head, what I think I'm saying is I've so subsumed into the mothering role that I don't know if I've lost my old self or if Mm. she'll come back or how I feel about that. And you're hearing groundedness. And continuation of self. And so that's really interesting because I find myself confused. Am I am I more myself than I ever was? <laughs> or am I this new person and I've let go of these other stuff? And is that okay? I struggle with that. What I mean by that is some people that I talk to who are new moms say, Oh my God, I miss my old self. I'm a different human now and I miss some of the things that used to make me happy. Some new moms I talk to say, This is all I've ever wanted. This is my new identity, completely and holy and Screw the rest of that other stuff, and I think I'm sort of in the middle, of going, I don't know what's happening to me, <laughs> but it's good. I think, yeah, um, yeah. Well,
0: uh, I think that's what. Whether this is your experience or not, what I what I'm hearing and what I'd like to think of it as is that it doesn't. There's no right way, you know. There's yes, no. There yes. is, and we're always looking for that. Like, is this okay? Is that okay? Like, she's feeling this, but that's not my experience. And that we have space for all of our experiences, whatever they are. But if I am dissatisfied in my experience or like, oh, oh, I, I miss that. Like, okay, then we can just be curious, right? It isn't like a right or wrong. Like, oh, what is missing from my pre-child life if that's what it is, pre-new thing in my life that isn't there? And how do I get that, right? As opposed yeah. to just gone forever, right? Or I mm-hmm. I can't. Maybe I can, maybe I I can't because of circumstances. Maybe some of what I loved was, Uh, I'm just going to make something up like traveling or go out to dinner. But we have certain finances that now that I have a child, like I don't have the finances to do that. I, you know, I know I, I could, but But what was it about that ritual of going out or traveling and how do I meet that deeper yearning or hunger? So I think you being, you know, in a space like, well, I'm going to enjoy this for as long as this is kind of how I'm the things that are positive about this. And Maybe I am totally putting my energy into this into this child, but it's working, and I feel okay and i'm I don't feel a loss of the things that I'm not doing at this moment, but that might change, right, and at some point, and then I can adjust and can shift that, but yeah, twenty months. From what I know or understand, you're still giving birth to this child. Like it's that birthing process for these first couple of years is ongoing. And if you're able to give a lot of your energy and time and focus to it, I think it's it's right now. now if your child is 16 and your whole life is, you know, about your child, I would I would have a different opinion
1: about that. I think what you're saying, and I think it's so important, is you give yourself permission to be where you are now. Mm -hmm. And to let that change when he's 16, for sure, I should be I should be 16 years into parenting and therefore be a different person in the same way Mm -hmm. that I'm 15 years into this iteration of my career and I'm a different person at this stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the way in which career and parenting intersect is really complicated in the U.S., for everyone. And I'm finding it very complicated. And then you add the layer of finances onto it. So it's identity, finances, career, parenting. I mean, it's just a mess when you mm-hmm. put them together in the, the word you've already identified. Don't say things are a mess, but like in the way <laughs> that things are um, highly complicated, highly complex yes. when they're intertwined in that way. Hi,
0: I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024, and I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico... Neho meaning land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself okay and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish it's essential and I really want you to take it seriously to consider you know just think about what would it take for me to go it's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And... I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think what you're about, rewrite the mother code about is kind of exploiting those, exploding them and and being willing to, you know, not just go with the norm of what, how people are reacting and responding. And I think you, you brought up something that, I hear it again is, you know, I'm really enjoying this new motherhood and there's lots that's bringing me joy. And it's almost like we have to feel bad about that. Like, you know, it's <laughs> yes, it's more, com- you know, like we can collude easier as like, oh, and yeah. I'd like to give acknowledgement to like what's hard about it and like the struggle and well, maybe aren't prepared and, and women feel like they don't know how to get support and aren't support, you know, like I, I want that. But how does it feel? What comes up for you when you like think about just shouting on the rooftops like, I love this. This is amazing. I, it's wonderful. Like what? what yeah. Is
1: like? Uh, I mean, I think you just gave the perfect visual of just this. When I think about joy, I think of it as like this energy that's just pouring out of you, like exploding from your chest. You know, if you were to ask me to draw a picture of joy or or what it feels like to parent. And so energetically, it's like this big, expansive, explosive, you know, radiant yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but that is not to say it's always easy by any no. means. I mean, there are moments when my kid's not a great sleeper. So he slept through the night for the first time at age 15 months. Which meant that I didn't have a night's sleep for 15 months and then, then learned that there's. Insomnia that comes from that, you know, that your brain is trained to not sleep. And so I've been working on that, but by all means, there are moments when he's not falling asleep or he's, you know, not napping and I'm going, Oh my God, I'm going to lose my mind or the sheer logistics. I never understood that parenting isn't just how do you guide a small person into adulthood? It's also 90% of it is logistics management, project management. <laughs> exhausting. <laughs> yes. That part of parenting, I do not love, so it's not always...
0: Would see. you say like, no, a hundred percent? But how comfortable are you, or would you feel like in a group of other like new moms or moms that have kids the same age to say like, I love this, and I'm getting so much joy out of this, and I'm so happy.
1: But is it weird that that feels taboo? Yeah, right? that's what I'm. That's what I'm uncovering yes. here. Yes, like that, and like, and I live in the taboo. Like, I walk into rooms with men in their sixties, and I say, Hi, I'm a solo mom, and I see their <laughs> face like get like confused or blotchy or or blanch or whatever. And so I live, I'm very comfortable in like living the taboo, but saying I'm loving this feels dangerous because mm-hmm. you never know that somebody might be feeling postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression and that you saying that might be like the knife in their chest or maybe somebody's having that one day where like they love it too, but this one moment they're not joy, right? They're not enjoying mm-hmm. it. They're feeling frustration. And so I almost feel like in learning to support women more, and I don't even think we do it enough. We're mm. almost afraid. I'm almost afraid to do anything that might be triggering, right? Say anything that right. might be triggering, including here I am having joy. Let me give you an analogy. Sometimes when we're friends with somebody, and this is a type of mothering that we do, we're friends with our, we have girlfriends and other people mm. in our lives that we just love and adore. We're eager to rush in in a crisis. You're going through a divorce. You are going through a job transition. You've lost your job or whatever. We can rush in for those moments. But how often do we celebrate? Hey, you just got a promotion. Let's go out. You just moved to uh, a new house, you know, or a new apartment and that was a big deal. You know whatever whatever those transition moments are we very rarely say let me throw you a party for this we only Mm -hmm. do that for things that are traditional for weddings engagements and babies but -hmm. there's not enough celebrating hey you just won a great project or you might be up for partner next year that's awesome and we're not trained to celebrate one another in in that way we're trained to see that as a threat right your promotion in a different industry might is a threat to me because maybe I'm not succeeding as much as I should be. You know, I think we're digging in and
0: kind of exploring ourselves because, you know, this isn't something that it's bringing up the part of, and the kind of darker shadow side of women and women supporting women, right? And one of my myths is like, if you have a baby, you immediately have this like group of nurturing supportive allies. You know, the truth is, yes, they're there, but there also is because of this intensive mothering paradigm where none of us feel like we're doing it as well or right. Or, you know, there's an unspoken competitiveness, you know, out of our own insecurities, we're judging. None of us like to admit it, but I admit it, it did and has, and continues to happen. Like, Oh, and you said that about, you know, I'm trying to think and I don't want to like trigger other women, just like you're saying about that we could celebrate each other. And that even in my like sadness or disappointment that things aren't going well for me, I would like to have the space to celebrate the woman who worked hard to get there and then got it. And that I don't have to take care of everybody else's feelings around me. And And who knows, like sharing your joy shows that it's possible. And then if we were all on the same team, like that's, I love kind of using that. If we can break down some of this judgment, scarcity and fear that can be present in our relationships with other women and we can be one team and with each other in it you know, then we can, we don't have to be afraid to have that celebration of the promotion or the thing. And we can rush in for each other and, and then feel free to share. Like, I, I so love that you have this and I'm sad that I don't, and that that can be okay. Right. Like they can have that feeling. And I don't have to take care of it, right? It's just like, yeah,
1: I get it. And you're still, and you're showing me hope and I'm so happy for you. And I'll tell you where that's fit into my life specifically is that I had my son at 39, which means that most of my friends who wanted kids had them beforehand. Um, So there was my closest friends have kids in the seven year old range, exactly the time when I was breaking up with this guy and I was having my meltdown. And so as I was having this meltdown about I'm never going to have this family, I'm never going to get to live the life I want. I so desperately want to parent a child. However, that child comes into my life and I don't know if it's going to happen. My closest friends, the ones that I love, the dearest in my life were having babies. And they were moving on with their families and they were moving on with their lives. And as much as I loved them and supported them, and then the godparent to one of their kids, I had a really hard time showing up and loving and supporting them in the moment. You know, I could do it from a distance. I could text, I could call. But sometimes being around them and watching their happy nuclear families, while mine felt, my heart felt so broken, was really gut-wrenching. Now I'm 39 or now I'm 40. I had my kiddo at four. 39. And a bunch of my girlfriends are single and they're feeling that pain of, I want a partner or I want a child or I want both. I'm the one who has the thing that they are craving and I'm mm-hmm. feeling, okay, how do I navigate that? How do I be loving and supportive to them and not not flaunt it, but also not hide it? It's a very tricky, I've been on both sides of the coin and yeah. it's it's tough.
0: It is. No, it really is. And I don't think there's an easy answer for it. And you know, it's kind of in my ideal world and sense that yeah. um, we can be ac- accepting of all those feelings and hold space for each other as we have them, you know, yeah, and yeah, you to have been able to be with them and, and like, just have one of those moms hold you in her arms in your sadness, right. Yes. Of, of not having it. And you now with, you know, some of your friends that have that, because I think the more we can clear that out, the more, even more so we can be there for each other. I could be there for my friend. We need each other at all these phases, yeah, yeah. but not trying to operate on top of or protect each other around it, or not be our full selves. Like that's just that's my vision and ideal, and one of the reasons I'm doing this is that I I do believe we could get there. I, I do believe that deep down it's what we all want. You know, we all yearn for that, we yearn to have that kind of authenticity, connection, raw ability to have our feelings, and uh, I hope for that. But speaking of vision, yeah, um, that's something that, you know, I coach and help women on these journeys. Have you ever like articulated an actual vision? Or if you were to say like, what is my vision for myself as a mother, putting you on the spot if, if you haven't, but when you hear that, like what, what comes to mind or what do you think about with that?
1: That's an amazing question because I have to say I've held a vision for what I want my family to look like and what I wanted from my child. I'll tell you about both in a second, but I don't yeah. think I've ever thought about what's my vision for myself as a mom. So here's what I mean by that. In the parenting family dynamics, I had to address the code that we've already talked about, mm-hmm. about the nuclear family and say, you know what, I don't need that. And it's not necessarily for me anyway, and get comfortable with that in the choice to become a solo parent. And then in the pregnancy journey, I had to hold space for, I just want, well, even before the pregnancy journey, if you're going back, once I decided to have a family, then the question was how, and I had to be open with, I would like to parent a child, however that comes to be, whether it's Mm. through adoption, fostering, biologically, I even explored step-parenting because I was dating somebody who had kids at the time. And, you know, I had to just sort of say, however it happens, I'm going to be a mom. So those two visions I was able to hold really clearly through my pregnancy, I held the vision, happy, healthy, smart, kind. Mm. That was like my mantra never have I thought about my vision for myself as a mom. So it's not like I'm I'm a newbie to vision setting. No. I just haven't applied it here yet.
0: Oh, good. Well, you don't have to, we can, you, I'll good. leave you with that, right? But I think if, you've been articulating it. You know, you just haven't thought about it to like-
1: Oh, okay. So what do you yeah. think you've heard from me? What's my vision? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so some things that I'm hearing are, it's kind of a continuation, right? Yeah. So, and even if you took the
1: pregnancy one, name those, it was- healthy happy healthy smart and kind were the we're what are the qualities i wanted for my child yeah so qualities i think those would all
0: continue i don't think you have to yeah. necessarily let let go of them the only one if i were coaching you that i'd have you explore is like the happy because you won't one you know i share all of my feel i feel all my feelings and i yeah. express them fully and authentically so i would just add that in um so that we're not you know feeling like well the only time I'm living my vision as if I'm happy because Mm. a robust sense of connection with our emotions. So you didn't say
1: that. I just added it in. No, it's (laughs) it's a a really good, it's not an edit, but it's an invitation to explore that further. An expansion. Yeah. Because we talk about on the podcast quite a bit, toxic positivity and how dangerous that can be. And so what you're saying is don't hold your self positivity in a way that could Mm -hmm. be toxic. You know, You want to be open to all feelings. That's great. Thank you. You've
0: said other things like I explore possibilities. I I learn and grow with within the container that I'm living, you know, that I continue okay. to evolve and learn and grow. That's general, but this would be like through my mothering, right? So I'm going to learn, grow and transform in this new phase of my life and, you know, alongside and with this child. And then I'll add, yeah. I'll say this, but you know, now I'm getting confused on your podcast and mine, but I'm going to grow myself up, with my child, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm, it is, this isn't just about me being the authority with them. Like I have a lot I can learn and grow and they're going to be, they're going to help be a vehicle of that for me. So that's just one I like to invite people to as, but you are on, you know, you've been doing that. So this isn't to me like a foreign concept. I'm just, you know, naming it that for you.
1: No, I love this. This, I'm going to go write all these things down as soon as we're done chatting. <laughs> and I'll add one. And I'm sure you do this coaching with a lot of your clients, but being comfortable with your own intuition. And I'll yes. give us two little examples. One is everyone, everyone told me to sleep train. Now you've already heard that my kiddo didn't sleep until he was 15 months. And I hired the sleep trainer and I listened to the people. Every time we explored it, it just was not right for us. It wasn't right for him. It wasn't right for me. And then I went down the rabbit hole of research and I, uncovered some reasons as to why it didn't feel right for me. so I had to hold firm in that truth. So I followed my intuition in that case. Then I had to choose a preschool and I fell apart in terms of, I felt uncertain about which decision to make. I felt like it was life or death, even though I knew it was going to be fine. And I asked everyone I could. I probably had like 30 interviews with people about different, like, how do you like this school? How do you like that school? I talked to principals and teachers at schools way down the road. I'm like, what do you think about the kids that come out of this preschool? Like (laughs) all this ridiculousness. The more I talk to people, the more I lost my intuition about what I wanted Uh and it still is gone. I don't know. I just had to pick something, but I think it's really hard to maintain intuition as a new mom. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that
0: one up, Julia. It's like, it's so perfect that because the vision isn't that that you're there, but I want to develop more of my intuitive self. I want yeah. to trust it. I want to yeah. like tune in. I see where I did and I'm happy. And, and in that way, I'm letting go of the binary, good, bad, mm-hmm. right, wrong, but I'm open to trying things. Uh, but ultimately I can tune yeah. into wisdom that's beyond the knowledge, right? Like all of that knowledge I don't dismiss it at all, but I can sort through that. But in the end, everybody might say this is the one that like was the best and the best outcomes. But gosh, this other one feels like so good to me. And I can't even like put into words the reasons that's so hard in our culture. Like if you can't put it into words and back it up with data, we immediately want to dismiss it. So I couldn't support that one more. (laughs) So... Happy to have that be part of your vision. Um, Thank you. I, I just think it's beautiful. And it's definitely one of the codes that I, I invite women to write for themselves, rewrite for themselves is, you know, only the experts or other people know what's right for me or my child. And it's just not true. It's not true. And and even all the stuff I say and put out, like I always invite people to like, take what feels right. and And either from my experience or, you know, what I have found, Doesn't mean it's going to be right for you. Yeah. We always want that invitation there. Okay. So I'm going to invite people to look at where they can find you. But then um, I have one, maybe two uh, more questions for you. So please, what what are the best ways for people to discover you, learn more about what you're doing and how you're bringing this really important topic into the atmosphere, into being
1: yeah. The first I'll say is um, you can find me at Storked, uh, which is a podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. And it's S-T-O-R-K apostrophe D. You'll hear a little bit about my journey. You'll hear about my journey to figure out single parenthood. And then once I became a parenthood, uh, but you'll mostly hear people who talk about all the different ways that they've created their family lives people like Dr. Lyons Mm -hmm. um, and so many others who talk about solo parenting, child-free by choice, adoption, divorce, dating after divorce, blending families. We actually even had a polyamorous couple on there once. I mean, you name it, rewriting Mm -hmm. the codes of family life. And then social media, Instagram, Facebook. And if you go to the website, you can sign up for the newsletter, which is... A once a week uh, little digest about what's going on in the world about family building. I mean, lots of lots of news comes up around really cool stuff. So I encourage you to sign up for that.
0: That's beautiful, and it'll be in the show notes, obviously, yeah. of course, too. But I like people to hear it so they can jump right over there.
1: Yeah, do that, <laughs> right?
0: So I know we've been talking about it, and you know, it's there's ways that it's evident. But if you were to just summarize, what does rewriting the mother code
1: mean to you? Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, Well, I think there's two things. One is I I had never thought about the mother code in terms of self-mothering and mothering myself until you articulated it. And I realized that, in fact, that's what I did. I had to take care of myself and nurture myself in order to figure out what I've truly wanted and how I truly wanted to achieve it which was in the breaking open not the breaking up mm-hmm. the breaking open you know doing all that heavy lifting heavy work to explore who I am and then then doing it doing the things so that's the first and then the second i think rewriting the mother code for me is that i'm just really pleased that i didn't let the apparent barrier which was, okay, now you don't have a partner. Get in the way of me choosing to step into the next iteration of my mothering, which is not to say that I wasn't mothering my dog and my work and my friends beforehand, but the choosing to mother a child, making sure that I chose the right path for me. And it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely don't say people should listen to me and everyone should become a solo parent. That is not the message. But for me, making sure that I achieved that Thing that was driving me, that I was craving, that I knew in my soul was the thing for me. It's the best thing I've ever done.
0: Clear, <laughs> robust answer. I love it. Okay. So now the actual last question, okay. um, how have you mothered yourself either today or this week or plan to like a uh, one way?
1: Oh my God, I haven't. So the one thing I'll say is that my self-mothering has pretty much stopped since becoming a new mom. And I don't want to play the solo card too much, but I don't understand how (laughs) to do it like without sometimes I think okay if I had a partner I could say can you just watch the baby while I do a 20-minute meditation or workout or go take a walk by myself or whatever it is to bring me a sense of peace and groundedness and connection to spirit or whatever and if I'm going to be honest I haven't had any of that in the past 20 months and I'm really trying to spend time figuring out how to carve it into my life
0: I think that's a beautiful, honest answer. And Mm -hmm. the thing I would invite you to is it might not look how it had historically Mm -hmm. for you because I have felt like one of the reasons I do podcasting because I only want to do things that are nourishing to me. Yeah. You know. So what am I doing in my life that I can kind of pull and claim? that as an aspect. So, given that I'm not taking extra time, how do I get some nourishment and self-mothering out of the things that I am doing along with it? One other invitation I'll make in that one regard is, you know, when you're with your son and you're giving him something loving or either that you didn't have in your childhood or is just like a lovely, beautiful thing holding him that you picture You can picture little Julia at that same age and hold both of you. I love that you brought that up because I think that's so common, you know, especially with new moms like and and single moms like. I don't have the time to mother myself. What are you talking about? (laughs) So we have to find ways that things we're already doing that we can kind of overlay the self mothering on until we take separate time to go do stuff. So I wanted to offer that. Feels right or makes sense to you.
1: I really like that. It's a really, really sweet offering. Thank you. I feel like this has been an hour of me getting coached in the best possible way. <laughs> I've got so many little nuggets I'm taking away with me. Um, so thank you. Well, that that's really welcome. special.
0: Well, I love that part, and I love that. Well, it's only possible because you're bringing yourself so authentically and open and and willing. You know, and and that we could do that. So thank you too. And Julia, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world and how you're, you know, the support that you're giving in this arena. And I look forward to more conversations
1: with you. Oh, for sure. And thank you. I mean, what you've created here is so special. I know your audience knows that, but I'm just going to underscore it for everyone listening, because this is transformative work. Thinking about mothering in an expansive way in the way that you've defined it is, it's groundbreaking. Well, thanks. So, well, we're in it together. And I, I love
0: that. I appreciate
1: it. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no. Subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, a.k.a. all women. Well, actually, everybody, men included, find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful, and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelions.com. I'll see you next time.